Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined as always on Easter. It, it's right. By the, the, uh, the I don't know, Reese, the, the, Reese, the Reese's uh, peanut butter egg to my uh, jelly beans. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I got Reese's peanut butter. I don't know if I've ever had a higher compliment paid by you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on our very I'm own touched. Cadbury cream egg. <laughs> Eric Ronovic. Eric, how you doing, buddy? Easter rises again. It's as simple <laughs> as a man giving a boy any Cadbury cream egg on Easter. Sorry. Uh, Mix my Batman with my with my Easter. I got confused. Uh, okay. Um, so the, there wasn't a lot of uh, Seahawks-specific news this week. Um, Malik, I think Malik Turner signed with someone, right? That's that's a thing that happened. Former that's, Seahawks that's, that's, funny. that's like yep. <laughs> that's 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 like Seahawk adjacent, adjacent. more than <laughs> than Seahawk specific. Um, the Mariners are playing baseball. Uh, Russell Wilson's selling his house uh, way more than he bought it for. Good for you, Russ. Yeah, well, I mean, he's selling it for way more than he's going to get for it too. Sell and then uh, businessman. He's trying though. Maybe maybe someone really wants to pay for the right to to be in the same room that Russ and Ciara horny because you know russ. where russ they, was they, so they, thirsty okay anyway um seahawks this is the best seahawks story of the week though you ready seahawks instagram post described tyler lockett in one word and quandre Diggs put ball that was savage <laughs> wow he put he put ball Nito's vicious man like dude, his trash talk to teammates is like next level i appreciate it greatly and I'm gonna do one, I'm gonna one more thing though. Garrett Bowles said that to Russell Wilson, "You're not gonna get hit here." And I mm-hmm. want you to guess how many less sacks than the Seahawks do you think the Broncos had last year? Uh, more allowed sacks allowed. More, more is wrong. Okay. It oh, is less. Three less. Six. Seven. Ooh. And and a bunch of them are Russ. Russ just dropping back eleven steps, and then Dwayne Brown like looking angry. So so I don't Here's understand the thing, though, why. If you've ever watched Garrett Bulls, it's because he just plans on holding the crap out of whoever's across from him. So yeah, sure. <laughs> it's 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 like seriously so ridiculous. I can't take the the Russell Wilson uh, discourse anymore. I, I don't. It's it's, it's sickening, getting, isn't it? It is a self parody yeah, at this it's, point. It's, it's ridiculous. So, all right, that's it. The, the other big Seahawks thing that I think might affect our draft, um, Kayvon Thibodeau continues to get – there is a lot of smoke here. Um, now people are saying that the Jaguars are locked in to Walker at one. Uh, that that would mean that Aiden Hutchinson would go to the Lions Easily. at two. And then and then now we're, now we're in a situation where realistically Thibodeau could fall. If he gets past the Giants – I, I don't think that the other teams are particularly edge needy. I mean, maybe Houston picks them at three, but there's a lot of smoke to this, like Kayvon Thibodeau. We don't know what, what he's like as a football player and is his attitude bad. And that when there's that much smoke for that, guys do tend to fall. And I will say this, if he's a personality challenge, I cannot think of a better landing spot culture-wise than than the Seattle Seahawks. All we right? can hope for this is a is gas a mask video on draft day, and we can guarantee pick him up at nine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, uh, no, we could trade back That's and still exactly get him. Uh, Kevin the, the, with all the trivia. The Laramie Tunsil effect. The The thing is for this is I, I just think there there is enough there is enough smoke here that I think it's realistic that he I does I think fall. the two that are He's interesting probably, like that are Thibodeau and then Cross. Cross, we keep hearing that the NFL is not as high on as uh, 
as the draft community, those are two really talented players that could be available at nine or later in Cross's case. And I'm, I mean, I'm fine with the Seahawks not liking Cross because we like measurables guys mm-hmm. better, right? Than just like the uh, guys who are good at mirroring and pass pro and stuff like that. And that's fine. If we end up taking Pen- Penning and Cross are not far enough apart for me personally, even though I did say at the beginning of draft season, I'd love to see Cross number one. Like, let's get, let's start the Charles Cross hype train because his tape is really satisfying. He just does not lose very many pass block snaps. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of fun to watch a guy just win over and over again by being. And Penning has some super worrying football. habits too, where like he's going to get a lot of holding calls probably his first two years in the league. He'll be a little bit of a penalty machine for sure. So, all right, let's, um, and then, uh, fa- oh, one more thing. I don't think we mentioned this on last week's podcast, but so Pete Carroll used the same coded language to talk about DK Metcalf that he used to talk about uh, Russell Wilson. And that does worry me. I had kind of, I've kind of been on the fence all offseason about like, are we going to trade DK? Are we not going to trade DK? It's like our only marketable player left. Like, why would we really get rid of him? Until Jamal Adams starts playing good, then we have two marketable players. But but Jamal Adams is kind of on a lot of people's uh hit list because he's been injured a lot but like he said um we have no intention of trading dk metcalf oh yeah that's you, that's you gotta say that because there if you recall correctly though that's exactly what he said about russ eric yes but you have to you have to say it because you can't say eh, maybe because that no one likes to hear that but also you got to leave the door open that just in case kansas city wants to throw us their two first round picks this year why not here you go there's your right. dk metcalf yeah, exactly. I think that, that, and I think that the that door is, is open. That's like they're, a 60-40 right now. They're probably talking to each other. You know, the camps are you're probing, like, what's the contract going to look like? Does it take 22, 24? What kind, how many million a year does it take to keep DK in the uniform for four or five years? They're, they're both kind of, you know, edging around it. The Seahawks don't like to give guarantees past the third year. I'm sure DK's camp wants to get those past third year. Now, we know he's not going to sign until after the draft. But if he is not traded on draft day, he's not going anywhere. Like, they just the Seahawks are not going to – they're not going to trade him after the draft. So we'll know by draft day, which is rapidly approaching. What are we, uh, a week and a half away now? So it is rapid. Draft day is rapidly approaching, and we will know on that day whether DK will be back. It'll be like the Frank Clark trade, where he got traded. Uh, what was it? Two days before the draft. That's 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 the kind of range. If we get if we're picking on day one, and yeah, then it's it's over. We did not we did not trade DK. He'll be back in the uniform. The, the extension talks are going good. So do you guys have any uh, thoughts on that? No, I think you covered it pretty well there. It's it's the reason why in the end talks broke down was because. At the end of the day, it was pretty clear Russ was not going to re-sign with us. I don't think that's going to be the same thing with DK. And <clears throat> as much as I don't like it, uh, see a lot of recent cases with different players. We're willing to slightly overpay for our own guy. Oh, my gosh. We suck so bad at free agency. <laughs> uh, what is this What is this Geno Smith contract? Okay, I guess there was a piece of Seahawks news that I'm leaving out because I had completely blocked it from my memory uh, by drinking alcohol until I forgot. But the but, but the, the thing about this liquid memory wipe, guys. Uh, so the, the this, this Geno Smith contract is horrible. He plays for $1 million last year, right? Veteran minimum, basically. He play, goes one in three and three starts. All everyone was talking about is the – or four starts, right? We started four games and got five touchdowns. Like, we're supposed to be excited about this? This, this deserves a 700% raise? 
oh, this is uh, Austin Blythe, this this contract. Even Al Woods in the interview interview he did was like, I had to tell the team, hey, guys, that's enough money. Like, what, what were we, like, saying we were going to give him more than he was asking for? This is – I just can't – Yeah, that's ah, not We're so bad at free – Hey, We're guys, so bad at free agency. I think, as Pete Carroll would say, I think it's time Colin Kaepernick deserves a second chance. Hey, Gene, here's way more money. Than, <laughs> and we don't even, and there's actually no reason for you to even be here. We could literally sign anyone to do what you did last year. So, we know you are extremely bad, but. This is why uh, I can't go all in. Like, everyone is asking me, hey, you do a CS podcast. What do you think about Russell Wilson? I'm like, well, since you don't want to uh, listen to the podcast, I'll tell you. And I'm fine with it, but, <laughs> but, uh, I'm what I can't be like super all in on what's happening because things like this, where I'm just like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is your like, time to be like, we're going to shock you. We're going to surprise you and bring back Geno Smith for more money. Like, okay, let's look at like Stefan Gilmore's contract, right? Stefan Gilmore goes to what the Rams for two years and $23 million. If we can sign Geno, for two million instead of seven million, well, there's five million on our way to eleven point five million of getting Stefan Gilmore, right? We're already halfway there. If we can sign Austin Reader for one and a half million instead of four and a half million, well, there's three million dollars. This leads to our roster being worse, right? Like you might not think it does, but there are players that we could sign that went in free agency that you know that could help our team, even if Stefan Gilmore is on the way down. He could still come in and play good football for us or, and compete for a cornerback spot, yeah. right? And instead, we just don't have that guy. Mm-hmm. We just have no one. We are paying players of these are these are replacement level players. They're not they're guys. You can find a guy on the street that can play quarterback as good as as Geno Smith. Unfortunately, like Geno Smith's not terrible. I'm not trying to say that. And boy, he could sure out quarterback me. But like in terms of NFL quality quarterbacks, you know, like there are guys just walking around that can play as good as Geno Confirm Smith. the Seahawks would pay you $2.2 million. I probably would. I'm, I have good size for the position, <laughs> depending on depending on the position. You know, I'm coming in in the in the low 240s these days, lost lost some weight, getting a little lean. Uh, and I'm six foot three. I got huge hands. I did that hand measurement thing funny thing by the way i did that hand measurement just uh, the discord already knows about this i did the hand measurement thing just to see like how they measure hands and stuff and then afterwards i'd really stretched my hand out and my hand hurt for like a whole day (laughs) (laughs) i was like i need to do some hand exercises like to stretch to like get my hand flexibility up so you uh, immediately watched um, over the top no is that hand flexibility or is it uh you know it's just just because you wanted you just something to take your mind off if it was hand related never mind that's all right here we go. Let's get into this. We're going to do a mock draft today where we trade. So we want to see what it's like when the Seahawks are drafting and they trade back. We're only going to do four rounds. So in front of us, the top eight picks, uh, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Gardner. I think that if that might be opposite order if Hutchinson goes first. It might be Hutchinson, Gardner, Thibodeau. Either way, Kwanwu, uh, Neal, Hamilton, Cross, Stingley. So we could, we could pick a walker here, although I think it's unrealistic. He won't be available at nine um, if we stuck. We're going to trade back no matter what. We decided before the podcast starts. So the Commanders want to move up from 11. The Vikings want to move up from 12. The Eagles want to move up from 15. The Saints want to move up from 16. Patriots from 21. Cardinals from 23. I don't think we're moving back farther than that. That's, that's I think, that's I think about the limit. Buffalo 25, though. Bengals 31. The 49ers want to move up from 61. <laughs> Good one, thanks. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Uh, what what do we what are you thinking? You want, you want to try to move back a little, or I think I'm thinking like 15, 16 might be a good range for us to to see what what's available. You guys want so to try with that? drop value charts? Usually, if you're moving back um, into the mid teens from a late top ten pick, you're picking up about uh, between fifty and hundred points in value, which is equal to a mid to late second round pick or a mid to late third round pick, depending on where, which if I'm moving back, I want to pick up a day two pick moving back and picking up. Not a day two pick is not worth it to me. Yeah. So what if we give, uh, so we can give the saints number nine and get 16, 49 and one twenty. How do you feel about that? That's that'd be their second round pick. That'd be their fourth round pick. And then the course number 16 in the first. Yeah. That's a value for us. And I think those are all good picks to get. I, I would be very in favor of that. Right, then we'll go, we'll go ahead and make that trade. They of course accepted. So now we're coming up. They decided to move up to get Trevon Walker. Makes yeah. sense. Uh, okay, then Drake London, Karloftis, McDuffie, Lloyd, Wilson, and Williams came off the board, which leaves us at sixteen picking. So I think that this is a range where the Seahawks are going to be looking. They're going to be looking tackle. You got Raymond and Penning. I think Penning's a better fit from a uh, like Seahawks prospect perspective. Linderbaum. Linderbaum, great athleticism. They just have to ignore the short arms. I think DJ Reed maybe taught them a lesson about that. Linderbaum would be a great pickup here. You can get Jordan Davis, who I've heard is like, is it Davis or Wyatt that's moving down it's, draft boards because of domestic Wyatt. abuse? Wyatt. Okay, yeah. So Wyatt's basically probably off our board at this point. Or maybe like not. A, if we, we can get him Frank at four year 41. <laughs> we could get Jermaine Johnson here at 16. <laughs> I think this is a, a good range for Johnson. Um, it, it, the thing that's going to happen is Johnson or Karloftis is going to come off the board and the other one is going to fall, right? And I'm just not sure which one is the one that comes off the board first. Yeah, and I think the Um, thing about Jermaine Johnson is, um, so diving deeper into his his college statistics, he's a person who ran really, he, he got a lot of his sacks really late in the play, which means he's kind of a high effort sack guy instead of a, so he's the guy who probably create a lot more pressures than sacks, especially early on. And and one thing that's good is for his size, he's good at setting the edge. Yes. Like guys, his size kind of generally can be can they can get washed setting the edge, and he actually can do it, which which I like. The thing um, I'll say about Raymond is and, that his athletic profile and his uh, track record remind me a lot of Russell Okung. And his age, tw- almost twenty five already. That's very Seahawks. <laughs> very old. So, wow. do you know why he's so old? <laughs> Aside from the number know, of times the Earth went around the sun since he was born, <laughs> um, that was my guess. So uh, he had mandatory military service. Oh, he's from what? Oh, yeah, because he's Austria. from like uh, Austria yep. or something. So he yeah. had mandatory military service, then came in as a tight end, and he's added like a hundred pounds <laughs> is, to his body. These are all Seahawks things. Guy changed position. He overcame adversity by by uh, by being in the military. He has good athletic testing. He played multiple sports. He was a letter winner in in wrestling yeah, as he's well as very Seahawks. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh, this guy is like ma- maximum Seahawks. Yeah, dude. Uh, uh, if oh we could get God. a tragic like backstory at some point, then like we're golden. He, and he's old. And he's old. I left that out. He's old. Uh, so <laughs> I think it's that. I think it's Raymond. And even though Raymond's a little bit older, I actually do really like him as a player. Um, I think he's somebody who can come in and be a a, a day one starter, and has right, we're gonna let- uh, and has ceiling to reach to. 
All right, so here we're, here's, we're going to give Eric the choice here, okay? Eric, Ready. I'm going to give you four choices, okay? Raymond is going to be our tackle pick, just because for, mostly for comedy reasons, overpenning. I think there's an equal shot that they like one of those, either one of those guys. But So we'll take Raymond uh, Linderbaum. You take Tyler Linderbaum, the highest graded FBS center of all time in pro football focus. And pretty um, much the consensus also- top interior offensive line player in this draft. He also played baseball and shot put, very sea hockey, and thing, very athletic kind of. He did wrestling yeah, he was, too. He was a he was a, a, a decorated wrestler. I'm gonna. You can take defensive interior player Jordan Davis. This guy could stand on our nose tackle position in our new like, kind of three four hybrid look, uh, and really just eat up the running game by Literally. himself. It's he's he's only good at one thing, but he's so good at it that it might be worth pick sixteen. And then you could take Jermaine Johnson if you want to take an edge player. So you got the the senior bowl standout, Jermaine Johnson, who, who like Kevin said, really high motor, um, sets the edge pretty well. He just um, he just doesn't have like very many wow sack plays on tape. Like they're just not there. But the but everything else is great. How are his right. moves, Kevin? Uh, he can punk a uh, below average tackle and uh, he will struggle to finish the sack against an above average tackle. <sighs> Has me worried the Seahawks are just falling in love with him. Uh, personally, I would probably take Penning here if you really think the Austrian guy is the pick. Um, some of the draft boards have uh, what's the name? The center uh, falling. Linderbaum. Yeah, mm-hmm. Linderbaum falling, and I mean it's because he's got T Rex arms. Yeah, some mocks have him out of the first round. Um, That's it, ridiculous to me, by the way. Like they that this guy can really play football and he played in a good conference. He placed face top competition and ate it up all the time. Let me put this way. Mm-hmm. I don't think Tyler Linderbaum makes it past pick 21. Like the Patriots will just take him. Is that, and then everyone else. I don't, think really unhappy. Past, I don't think he makes it past 20. I think that the Steelers, if the Malik Willis is off the board, there's no way they're, they're not just like taking the best offensive lineman. That's available. Uh, I'm going to so. go ahead and say penning. So Raymond, uh, wait, no, Raymond. I mean, oh, we're Raymond. taking Raymond okay. for comedy I'm fine reasons. With, okay, Raymond for comedy <laughs> reasons. If if that was the... I think I'd rather have the center just to lock it up, but also, okay. I don't know. I don't know. That 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 tackle, that outside offensive line, okay. so appealing. We're at, we're at 40. Desmond Ritter is available. Do you guys think at 40, uh, Desmond Ritter was brought in for a visit. The Seahawks do not do this super often. Um. Desmond Ritter, I, I saw I saw a video, a YouTube video today. It was like Desmond, or the other day, it was like Desmond Ritter, like insane genius, or I don't remember the, the, oh, the or outlaw maverick, or something. I don't remember what exactly what it said, but but uh, do you think the Seahawks might take Desmond Ritter right here? Like, is this the this is the zone that they might go be targeting him? I'll say oh, yeah. if John Schneider is in love with him, absolutely. Now this is a guy they they brought in Russell Wilson on workouts as well. Uh, a lot of people like Ritter to the Seahawks. Um, if it's 40, yeah, I could totally see that. Kevin, what do you think? 40 is a good spot for I Ritter? I think that's entirely possible. If they like one of these quarterbacks, I think 40 is, um, especially having those back-to-back picks at 40 and 41. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this case, with our trade, we have 49 as well. That means we have three stabs at top 50 players. So if we spend one on a quarterback and it doesn't work out, we still have three other guys picked in the top 50. I think this is a very realistic scenario we're going through here where the Seahawks have traded back once. They went and got like a, like a top top end talent in the middle of the first round here. Uh, Johnson, Raymond Davis, those guys all went like the next five picks, by the way, the guys, the guys we were talking about, they all just went off the board quickly. 
Um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I think this is a good spot for Ritter. I think that if they're going to take a stab at a quarterback, these are, like we said before, these are all kind of second round D quarterbacks, right? Like late seconds, mid seconds. Um, some of them are going to come off the board early. Um, Kenny Pickett might come off the board early. Uh, you might see, uh, why can't I do it? Malik Willis come off the board early. Those are a couple guys, but but uh, everyone else might be available here at forty when we pick. Yeah, yeah. I think I think and, Corral, Howell, and Ritter all have a really strong chance of being available at forty. And of those, Ritter and Howell are two prospects I think are interesting, and I could see the team liking them both, especially Ritter for this offense because he has made NFL reads where you're expected to, you know, hit the backside dig or you're expected to, uh, you know, basically be a point guard, distribute the ball. And he played so much yeah, too. Very like, veteran. Like he has a lot. Eric yeah, he has would played like a lot of games. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I don't know. I like it. And he's, he's not like the thing of the bad thing about him is he's not like, he doesn't avoid sacks very well, but he might actually just stand in the pocket some because he processes really fast and like gets the ball yeah. out which maybe might make us take less sacks anyway, because a lot of, I feel like a lot of our problems in terms of taking snack sacks was uh, having trouble was Russ keep holding on to the ball and not getting the ball. Yeah, uh, that's, I think his average time to throw was like right around 2.4 seconds, which is um, like a half second faster um, than, uh, than Russell Wilson's average time to throw. Like that's a, that's a significant difference. <clears throat> Yeah, all right, let's get rid of right here. And then with our second pick, I think if you take tackle in the first round, you're looking edge here, right? Yeah. You gotta get you gotta you gotta get an edge in here. Um, um I'd be so looking could, I, or or a defensive player. So we could get uh defensive line players available. Um we got Benito, we've got Enigbare, we got Jackson, uh we got Logan Hall available. Who actually did Travis like Jones defensive go? Interior play. Travis Jones is he he gone. 39. Uh, I'm very sad about that. Yeah, he would be perfect for nose as well. Um, nice big, big nose player. So yeah, <laughs> I didn't. You, mean, you know what I mean? Shut up. <laughs> hey, Kevin. Kevin, you want to go outside the box here? Okay, because we do have safety Briskers available, and Chanel and Petre. We but we pick those guys a lot in our mocks. We do. So Everyone so we love uh, Petre for the slot cornerback spot. Uh, let's go. Let's take a look at uh, defensive line. Because I would say linebacker is a really, really deep day two group. I think at pick 72, we could get a comparable linebacker to what we can get here. And I think too, Kevin, you could do DeMarvin Leal, which is like, um, he was like probably a top half of the first round player until he played last season. Yeah. (laughs) He definitely played his way out of his own draft stock, which is, that's a thing. He, the thing about it is that he, He's like he'd be really good as like a three tech, right? Um, based on his size, athleticism, he has really good pass rush moves, but he needs to learn how to like just stand up in the run game and not get killed. Yeah, he also doesn't like play just, with really good balance, and I I personally have that's a lot why he of gets killed. In the, that's why he gets killed in the run game. Like he just yeah, he's easy to knock off balance and just then he's washed out of the play. If, basically. if Arnold Ebiketti if Arnold Ebiketti already went. Um, then I like Nick Benito here a lot. I think Nick Benito as at the very least like a pass rush specialist. I mean, I just had him slightly behind a couple of guys. Like I, yeah. I would take uh, Benito or Drake Jackson are the two that I think are great system fits, great upside players, 
Um, great edge rushers. And I agree with you. I think taking the edge rusher here makes a lot of sense. All right. So now we're back on the clock. We took an edge rusher in the last pick. I just clicked Benito, but it didn't really matter. Uh, so coming out in front, like I just, we, we took an edge, right? So we went quarterback, edge. And now we're back up at 49. Uh, tackle. Now we're back up at 49. And I think like the player that sticks out to me on this list, the position that sticks out to me on this list is linebacker. We could go second tackle, but there's four linebackers available that I think are all really good and could kind of slot in next to, to uh slot in next to Jordan Brooks and create the kind of KJ and Bobby that we had for so many years. Uh, Leo Chanel, Brian Asimov, Chad Muma, and Christian Harris are all sitting there uh, at linebacker. And those players, I all, they all have different pros and and cons. Um, Personally, I'm, I'm like a big Chanel guy (laughs) because he plays downhill and just like, his run defense grades crazy. And I think Chanel also could like play some um, like he could, he could pass rush some, if you needed him to, I think he could be like one of those guys kind of like, um like a Micah, like a Micah Parsons light uh, worse. Michael part, Micah Parsons. <laughs> I don't know. The, um, if you just want a coverage guy though, all those other guys, I love really the good scouting in reports. that says worse blank. The, I think the player that I would probably strike from that list for me personally is Christian Harris. Um, just because I feel like. Too small? Um, no, it's not that he's too small. I don't like how he handles the run game. Uh, he makes a lot of bad reads and picks some poor angles. Um, in coverage, he will get trapped in eye candy a lot on tape. Mm-hmm. And his balance through contact, uh, he's on the ground when being run blocked too much. Or he'll miss a line on a tackle and end up getting shrugged off more than I would be interested in. So I have, I feel like, uh, uh, Brian Asimov, uh, does the same thing a little bit better than Christian yeah, Harris. So I would be all over Leo Chanel here. They're very, they're very similar players, both incredibly violent. Uh, like they hit hard, they play super aggressively, and they're a little undersized. If we don't go linebacker, the best players available, I think, are Abraham Lucas, Kenneth Walker, doubling down on edge by picking Drake Jackson. But I don't think the Seahawks would do that. I think they would pick their guy at 41 and then kind of call that position I good. I tend to agree. I would actually go with either Walker or Lucas here um, and mm-hmm. uh, ride linebacker to 72 because I feel like there's still going to be like maybe a Troy Anderson or a Darian Beavers there. And I don't think the downgrade there is going to be nearly as big as the downgrade we're going to get at tackle or to a lesser extent running back. I would be really tempted to get Abraham Lucas. If we don't don't sign two tackle, a tackle before draft day, picking two tackles in the top 50 is is pretty appealing. Otherwise, there's a 0% chance if we actually sign a guy that would do that. So looking at our current roster. What'd you say, Eric? So un-Seahawks. To pick two just, tackles, to just hammer a position like that. Yeah, I mean, but just oh, we'll figure it out. We'll we'll move. Uh, we'll, we'll move one one thing that the Seahawks, the Seahawks um, have uh, have done in the past. They they know that you to get better in the trenches, you got to use those picks early because they they know that they just picked the wrong guys, yep. right? Like like they picked we picked uh, oh, Fetty, we picked Carpenter, uh, uh, Carpenter, but what on the other side of the ball too. We picked LJ yep. Collier. You know, we 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 used high picks to pick those positions because the Seahawks are aware you need to use a high pick to get top in talent. We've just picked wrong over and over. So I think like 
realistically, we could see, yeah, three of the first four picks going into the trenches because they know early on, yeah, that's, you know, it's harder to get value later at those positions, right? Those positions just kind of, they, they dry up fast. They dry up really fast. Yeah. So, all right, we're going to, do you want to pick it? Are you okay picking Abraham Lucas or do you want to Kenneth, do you want a running back, Eric? Do you want Kenneth Walker? No, no, no. You want to no. go full, you want to go full Pete Carroll? <laughs> <laughs> do I think we're going to take a running back in this draft? Absolutely. But maybe with one of our late six rounders. All right, let's go Abraham Lucas. Then we'll double up on tackle. Seahawks are going to come back onto the board here at 72. Um, Darian Beavers is available, Kevin, at linebacker. Some t- a tackle I actually like. Kellen Deesh is available. Channing Tyndall, another linebacker who is potentially inter- interesting. Um, he blitzed a lot, though. So you'd want him to be in a position where he could play. I also, feel like he'd be playing a really Channing- similar role to uh, Nick Benito is the problem there. Yeah, it would be a, you'd be double. You basically be making another potential edge guy that you could play in middle linebacker sometimes. Uh, running backs. Okay, let's see what running backs are available here. We've got Damian Pierce, like James Cook. Yeah, Damian Pierce would be great, but seventy-two feel does feel early to me. Um, I'm not a hundred. James Cook, sure pass catching so. running back, uh, Dalvin Cook's brother, and moves very similarly, but definitely couldn't handle the load. Yeah. I like Isaiah Spiller and Rashad White, but they're they're guys that other people think are going to go a lot later. I do not like Isaiah but Spiller, I think, but I would agree. You don't like nope. Isaiah Spiller? Dude, watch, Flor- watch Florida uh, 2020. Uh, my problem with Isaiah Spiller is every time he <laughs> runs the ball, they'll put his backup in, and his backup will do the same thing or better. And so I think he's going to he get a lot of offensive line yards. He, like, broke, like, a million tackles in that game. It was very, it was very It's a very satisfying uh, watch, but he he is pretty. He's not super fast. He's like a. Do you know who he reminds me of? Hmm. Uh, he's he's um he like kind of gets gets the yards and then uh, gets caught from behind. Never busts a huge Chris run. Carson. It Chris Car it's a Chris Carson baby. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, let's get back in here. Um, so we got Dylan Parham. We could pick an interior offensive lineman. We got Darian Beavers. Um, let's see what wide receivers are available. We could go. There's. Khalil Shakir, I know, is a guy that like John Mechie. Uh, Shakir is not a hands catcher, so I don't think that he's a what? guy that we would take. <laughs> okay, who? What wide receivers do you think we might be looking at here? I, I mean, I can just read the names really quick: Justin Ross, Alec Pierce, John Mechie, Calvin Austin, Romeo Dubes, David Bell. Is any of the, these guys? Wandale Robinson. Uh, Romeo Dubs sounds like is seems like the type of player that we might take. Um, he plays outside receiver. He's a deep threat, but. It's questionable, like, um, and he played two sports. Don't forget that he did play. Uh, oh, okay. Got to, got to, got to mention really that. That's a, that's a, in college, that's another one. Yes, I think uh, Dubs and Mechie fit types of receivers that we have drafted before. Um, they're hands catchers. Well, uh, Mechie's a route technician, uh, technician, um, technician like uh, like Lockett. Do you do you think like that that spine surgery that Justin Ross had just like kind of watched him because he was really good as a freshman but then was never quite yeah he just didn't develop but then the quarterback talent last year was so bad but he is kind of stiff like i don't know like his athleticism is not what it was and i think that's that is a bit of a problem i'd say we i say we're between pierce and beavers would you agree with that what about calvin austin calvin austin's tiny that's he is 
he seems to be a guy that the Seahawks could circle, though. Looking at his at his immediate size, no. Looking at what he's done in his player profile, because I've looked at some wide receivers, surprise, um, I I would not be surprised if we took this guy. Would we take him here? It, it, not sure. It would be like if we took Calvin Austin, it would be basically admiss- admitting we messed up with the D D Eskridge pick. That's a fact. Okay. Okay. That's like it, fair. It, it would be like it'd be like it'd basically be like Mulliganing it. I feel like his which I don't think good. we did. Calvin Austin's good, by the way. Like uh I think like people think he's just like Tavon Austin 2.0, right? Like that he's just gonna be like a guy you have to be creative, get the ball in his hands. I don't agree with that. He runs good routes. He's better um, at catching he's really fast. He's he's he can catch the ball. Yes, um, he's not gonna win. He's not gonna win at the catch point. Like he's not gonna like overpower a guy for to the ball. But he'll get open enough if you have a tall quarterback who can get the ball out fast. Like he'd be a good fit with Ritter, to be honest with you, because if you just have a guy and Austin can also play on the outside. He took ninety percent of his snaps at Memphis, I think, from the outside. So you you take um you take that combined with my chairs were like. <laughs> Making the noise, I'm sure everyone heard it right there. Uh, uh, so Austin did a good. Austin did a really good job, um, and he could play outside. So then you could have Tyler still play inside, which I think is ideally what you want to do, right? But they're interchangeable parts where you could also switch it back and kind of uh, use but it. But that I really know. is I, what I Eskridge like. is. I think my comfort, my Darian Beefers is KJ Wright. Like that, he really is a very similar player um, in his change of direction, in his length at a linebacker position. Um, he's uh, really good at attacking downfield. Like he's another person who will just murder screens. I would love one, to be one thing. Here. I think though, kind of a garbage. I mean, he missed like sixteen percent of tackles or something. Uh, what is it? Sixteen point five percent. I I do think he's kind of bad at tackling. Do you think that the the Seahawks seem to think they can fix yes. that though? Right. That's like the no. that's like a very Seahawks thing. You know what we do? We're gonna hope that Austin is available with our next pick because there's a lot of wide receivers available to go ahead of him. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna try to we're gonna try to game the board here. We're gonna take the linebacker and then hopefully pick up the wide receiver on the next pick. Um, there's a lot of picks between us and then this pick though. Here we go. 109. We did we did not get there, guys. We can get Bailey Zappi, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite uh Don't think we're taking Raider and Zappi. That seems unlikely. The uh the best wide receiver available though, the one that fell was uh Romeo. Is it Dubs or Dubs? Uh, I don't really know. Dubs. dubs. Okay. Love it. That's Got how it I wrong heard. on all, all counts. Okay, so Romeo Dubs is available. Um, we for running backs, we can go uh, the BYU running back Tyler Algier is available. We got uh, can still pick Rashad White, uh, Jerome Ford, Brian Robinson Jr. How good is that running back? I like Tyler Algiers. Um, actually, Tyler Algiers reminds me a lot of Chris Carson, where he's a very physical running back. Um, he just doesn't have a breakaway gear at all. Gear at all. Okay. Um, okay. Here's here's my uh, my I'm gonna make my uh, my sales pit for Rashad White is that he is just like so good in in like he's so good at getting out in space and just doing things that are into the ball he could instantly have an impact as like a like a third down running back um yeah he's like kind of a work in progress in almost every regard but just the athletic profile and the the movement is is really nice and i could totally see us bring him in and knowing we have penny and carson to kind of work around that um that's that's my opinion uh, that. my pitch for Rashad White is I'd rather take him at one twenty. You think he'll still if be he's there? If he's there, and I think All there's right. a couple running backs in front of him, I'm willing to take that risk. 
there is not a man. This is you're right. So we were talking earlier about how we think this is like a like a around 100 player draft, and I think we we're right at the line here. This is getting it's getting it's slim definitely a lot less really exciting love. right here than it was last pick. <laughs> the thing I hate is that we we've really hammered offensive line, and the player I like the most is podcast favorite Zach Tom. It's available. We did not <laughs> take a center yet, and he does play center. Yeah. All right. All right, fine. We'll just take Zach Tom. And then the last pick, here uh, we go. Otherwise, yeah, I'd be right. advocating for an outside corner. And we'll just pick Rashad White at running back. And then I think that the the thing is the algorithm will hate us for this. So it'll be cool to get like an F on one of these drafts. <laughs> <laughs> let's see. The algorithm. He. Let's see what they gave their running back pick. D plus. And it did mess us up because we went to it. We got an A minus. Everything else is like an A except for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, Darian Beavers was a C plus as well. Um, Raymond A minus Ritter A Bonito A minus. All right, they like their draft overall though, so we'll post this draft in the Discord. Um, overall, do you think now that we've done a, a mock draft, Eric, where we traded back, do you think that this seems like a strategy the Seahawks might employ, trying to pick up like a first and a second for one hundred and nine, or do you think that there will be a player talented enough available at number nine that they will stick in the spot? You pose that perfectly because the answer to your first question is yes. I do think we're going to trade back for more draft assets and high draft assets. I'm really hoping that. I don't want us to just keep going. Oh, we'll just accumulate a bunch of late second rounders and, and or we'll, we'll get we'll get we'll have, we'll have the whole fourth round. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's a Seahawks <laughs> thing of the past. Don't forget, and it's really frustrating. To be fair, the Seahawks don't always miss. Um, but the, to answer your second question, I don't think that there's talent enough that the Seahawks will value for one player. If there's one, like if in Hutchinson falls, yes, he's not going or, to. What about Thibodeau? If Thibodeau falls, do you think that, cause that's, that seems realistic now. It's Thibodeau sitting there at nine. Do you, uh, you're the Seahawks. I yeah, think, there's... yeah, with Thibodeau, I, again, I don't think he's going to fall that far, but if he does, wow, that could be something crazy. Now, if they do that. I, I still think there's a chance that they trade DK and let's just say they do DK for the two picks that Kansas city has. I don't think that's likely. I think Kansas city sees all the wide receiver depth in the draft and says, we're just going to go that route, but let's just say that were to happen. Then yeah, I think the Seahawks pick that ninth and then, you know, mess around with trading one of those picks out of the first and keeping one. All right, Kevin, how about you? Do you think now that you've kind of, we've played it out together do you see this as a like trying to pick up a first and a second from one of the teams in the middle of the first round uh, for for our pick number nine? Do you see that as a, a strategy the Seahawks might employ? I think employ? there's a really strong chance that they're like, all right, these are our five guys that we'd pick at nine. And if all of them are gone, then we're looking to move down. Okay, so they're like, they're like, oh, we'll take Stingley, we'll take Gardner, we'll take Thibodeau, we'll take Neil, we'll, we'll take, take we'll yeah. take Walker, we'll take Walker, we'll take Neil. Like those are our five guys. I bet you they take a quant. I bet they, you they, they love, would a love Icky, but, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they, they basically have like their handful of guys, and they're like, okay, if one of those guys is there, otherwise we're gonna like they're just gonna they're gonna have tiers of players, and so they're gonna go, okay, if uh, if those guys aren't there, then we value the next like eight players all the same. So if we can trade back in that window or if we could pick something that makes us feel like our tier three is worth it, then we'll trade back in that window. Like I think, I think they've been pretty open with that's how it works for them. That's why you get a lot of those like five pick trade backs 
because you could tell they're basically sliding back within a set of equal prospects for them and still trying to take who they perceive as their best player available. That's what our most successful drafting formula has looked like. When we've been unsuccessful is when we've been targeting specific positions. And that's how you end up with like Collier because we were targeting a replacement player for Frank Clark and he was the next player that fit that specific profile on our roster. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, it's, I think it's interesting. It's interesting to think like what we could do because there is, there's a, it's, it's legit. Both sides are legitimate. I don't know another way to put it. Like it's, there's good arguments to make for both. I agree. Sticking at nine, there will probably be a player available at nine who is extremely talented. Um, but if it's not the guy that the team likes, then I could totally. I think that this is a very valid strategy, especially if you know a team, a team like the Eagles or a team like the Saints really want to move up to nine, and they're willing to give us you know a first and a second to do it. And both of those teams have two firsts, so they might feel really good about where they're at. Still, you know, they might think, okay, at nine we can get. Let's say the Saints really want Malik Willis, or they really want Charles Cross. At nine we can get Cross. Okay, we can we can pick cross up and then we still have our pick at I don't know what was their second pick 19 16 and 19 yeah. right we still have 19 and we'll, we'll still be able to pick up a top end talent at 19 we're right in front of the Steelers we can steal Malik Willis from them right <laughs> so so well, yeah or maybe I that's think that they take Linderbaum that, because you're not as worried about positional value because you got two stabs at what you perceive as top 20 players correct so yeah I, I think I could totally see one of those double double first round pick teams uh, wanting to do that. The Chiefs is another example of a double first round pick team that might feel really good about kind of paying paying up to get to get Green what Bay. they need. So Green Bay, same thing. Green Bay wants to come up and get Drake London. They want to come up and you know then they could make they have the the they have the juice to do that, right? They have the juice to do that. So yeah, I I'm I'm thinking that this might be the most likely scenario barring the actual Kayvon Thibodeau fall. That's that's where I'm at. But uh, well, we'll see what happens. You tell us what you think in the Discord. Do you like trading up? Do you like picking at nine? Uh, tell us what you think by joining the Patreon, getting in the Discord. Be like Brady, our newest uh, newest member, been hanging out. Uh, and then thank you to all those Patreons, new and old, who went to Seahawks. No, no, sorry. Only12s.com. Punthub.us. Punthub.us. Or... What are some other ones? Uh, oh, yes. Patreon.com slash the Axonist. For as little as a dollar twenty-four a month, join the Discord, hang out with us. Uh, thanks, Andy, Brett, do it all for the Tucci, Evan, Flocktimus Prime, Greta, James, Joe, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Blake of Washington Fish Quest, the greatest YouTube fish show of all time. Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay, Leon, Michael, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick. And uh, big shouts to Big Potty Jr. in the squad hanging out with the crocodiles on the Discord. Those pictures. Um, I I was unsettled by uh, how close they were getting to those crocodiles. I'm like, yo, why would you do that? But <laughs> choices being whatever, made, man. It's Australia. It's Australia. It's 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 a uh, it's it's open no season down there, baby. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. So, all right. Uh, guys, we want. I I saw a cool list, and I thought we should do a fave five. Um, and a fave five of movies where the villain is the winner. Okay. So movies where the bad guy wins. And I was like, this is such a cool, uh, cool idea. Like I just want to, the movies where the bad guy gets the dub. And so I'll start us off. I want to start off with my, 
my uh, movie. Um, I want to start. I'm going to go off grid, of course, because that's what you do with your personal picks, right? You go with the movie that you think that you can't convince the other people of. And I'm going to go with a 1999, uh, Jeff Bridges, Tim Robbins, uh, Arlington Road. All right. Um, I, this movie is, is, um, it's cool. Cause it's got like the, um, the ending first of all is like very affecting. Uh, it has, it's an extremely cool and good ending. Uh, it's a, it's about Jeff Bridges just being paranoid, you know, and like, um, it's a paranoia thriller. Uh, I, when I watch this movie, I always have like a different opinion. I have to be in the right mood for it, but, um, yeah, I think this movie is just like, it's a little overdone. Um, but I, I find it quite enjoyable. Uh, I think I gave it like a three out of five, but I just find, I like this. The, the, the villain winning part of this movie is so good that it makes up for the, any other um, lack of, of whatever in this movie. So yeah, I'm going to pick Arlington road as uh, my first entry into the Faye five villains. Win. That's a solid pick. Um, yeah. Obviously, spoilers, guys. So if you uh, have not seen, if you <laughs> don't want to know where movies where the villain wins are, uh, <laughs> then you're you're in you're in big trouble here. All right, uh, Eric, do you have one? Let's go with her, yeah. her oh, Eric. in mind because I think I know which uh, one I you should. Oh, well, I have a I have a bunch in mind, but I, I have like four that I'm thinking about. I think the two that I'm really excited about that immediately popped up when we were talking about it. I don't think you're gonna pick either one. So I'm just going to go with Chinatown. Chinatown is a great choice. Chinatown is a great movie. I don't. It works on two levels because not only does a bad guy in the movie win, but also a pedophile got an award for it. (laughs) So you have to admit Uh, that a terrible person made a good movie every time we talk about Chinatown. Every time we talk about Chinatown, Uh, which is why we don't talk about Chinatown on this podcast. (laughs) It's really true. I mean, it is one of the greatest noir movies ever made. Yeah, we could do our top five noir movies and it would be in there. But I think because of this movie, we wouldn't have <laughs> top five more movies. Um, I just this movie is a masterpiece. It's so like if you love those old detective noir movies, let's face it. There's a handful of really great ones out there. Uh, there's some good ones. There's some ones that make you think. But overall, I think it's uh, it's just a fabulous piece of work. I'll be what a, done by a bad what what an ending in this movie. Eric. Oh, and it's crushing. It's that's what I thought. I was like, where does a bad guy win? Forget about Empire it, Eric. Strikes. It's Chinatown. <laughs> I thought I thought, oh, okay. Well, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, Chinatown is crushing. Yeah. So I have to go with that one. I also like to where it is so on his nose the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> he gets a nose broke. That's how that's how you know it's not a Hollywood thing where it gets better. It's it's Chinatown. Yeah. All right. Kevin, uh, where are you where are you heading? Man, that was high on my list, and that's when you mentioned this as being our Fate Five we were doing. I was pumped because it, immediately there were like seven or eight movies that jumped to top of mind, and I made a top ten that I already felt like I was making cuts from. Uh, Chinatown was on it. Um, Arlington Row was on it. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna go a little off board with a movie I think is really really interesting, um, and that's 1988's The Vanishing. Ooh, okay. This is a uh, European foreign language movie um, about a guy who is on a road trip with, I believe it was his girlfriend or wife, and um, they stop at a, you know, roadside gas up, uh, like rest stop and grab some refreshments type place, and he comes back and she's gone, and it is turns into like a psychological thriller, game of cat and mouse 
type situation. Um, it's just it's a really interesting movie that I think it's I think it's a cool one to watch. It's it's a very unique movie. Uh, Crushing the, ending also. The top review of the movie too, Kevin Schrodinger's wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So so ones that we could say for for our our two co. Okay. So we got um, we could go with like No Country for Old mm-hmm. Men. Uh, that's got to be up there. That was uh, close we could go yeah. seven. Yeah. Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back, Usual Suspects. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying Gone to think Girl. Of, of Mo- Gone Girl, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, you could do uh, <gasps> Memento. No, we can't. Uh, creep. <laughs> creep is a good one. Uh, creep is a good Matchstick one. Man? Creep is a good Creep's one in there. Uh, Watch Watchmen. Watch, yeah. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. The comic, the comic is better than the movie. Silence of the Lambs, yeah. Uh, that's a good. That's a good one. Uh, what, what? So else? the qualifier. Uh, saw yeah, my... seven. Oh, seven, yeah. seven. So that was already mentioned, but I, I agree with mentioning it twice. Oh, okay. Is that good? What? What? What about <laughs> Nightcrawler? You ever seen Nightcrawler? Yeah, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Yeah, is I suppose. Nightcrawler. Ooh, that might. That kind of snuck in. What there. a great. What a great uh, lead performance <laughs> to just be like. A, a character that leaves you feeling gross. Like, well done. Um, yes. So. Made me really uh, hate Jake Gyllenhaal. Is The Godfather a movie where the bad guy wins? No, because that's the villain's... other character. It's the villain, uh, the hero. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say Yeah, that's... I feel like, uh, like, it's the same reason. I Like, Silence of the Lambs, I wanted to mention. But the bad guy in Silence of the Lambs is not Hannibal. So I, I think that gets disqualified for me. The, um, the Dark He's Knight. He's just a bad guy in the movie. Is the Dark Knight on this list? I don't uh, think so because in some ways Batman still saves the day. So the Joker ultimately didn't win everything. He just won against Dent. Dent in the end lost, which is, is kind of a, a loss for good. All right. But I, I just feel no. I feel then no. I think we have to give one of these two spots to uh, another movie where it has both a terrible person and (laughs) a bad guy wins. And so I think we should pick either the usual suspects or seven to take one of these two spots. If I got to pick one, I'm going to go usual suspects because I find it much more enjoyable than seven. I think seven. Okay. The only thing I like about seven is that YouTube video where they, (laughs) they, um, they they have a friend who hates Kevin Spacey. Have you seen this? Yes. yes. They have a friend who hates Kevin Spacey, and then they trick him into watching the whole movie, and he's super into it. And then Kevin Spacey shows up on the screen, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you got ah, oh, I hate you." <laughs> so he's so angry that's, when Kevin. If you Spacey watch that video, up. that's eight. It's basically the sequel to. Seven. Uh, I think Seven is an extremely good movie. I think The Usual Suspects is um is better. It's it's just a flat out better movie. Um, what about with a better way of having fight the villain? What about fight? Does club? the bad guy win? I don't think there was a bad guy. I mean, he was movie. the he was the bad well, guy. But the personality that was the bad guy is no longer winning. Yeah, uh, that's true. all right. Uh, so I say, okay, we go, we'll go, we'll go. Uh, the usual suspects. Uh, usual suspects. Verbal Kent. The ver- usual suspects. Plus, that was all that right. was a that's textbook a twist done. Well. I would say it's. I would say it's. It's between Empire, No Country for Old Men, and probably that's probably the list, right? Nope. Nightcrawler is probably not gonna be good enough. Oh to man, I really like Nightcrawler. That's right in there. For me, 
for me, it's between No Country for Old Men and Nightcrawler. Yeah, because okay, I love Nightcrawler, so I'm into this. It's so good. And I uh, here's probably the, I, am going Nightcrawler here just because <laughs> I felt worse at the end of Nightcrawler than I did at No at the end of No Country for Old Men. Eric, give me your Nightcrawler takes. I'd rather give, honestly, I feel like we're going Nightcrawler, so I'd rather give you my No Country for Old Men take. All right. Okay, go ahead. Give me that. And then because I know. Give, the, give me them back to back. Give me them back to back. No Country Hit for Old Men. Both. When this movie came out, we were doing the podcast, and we were talking about uh, how much we liked it, but I remember you guys weren't super high on it as I was. Uh, Anton Sugar, the character played by, uh, geez, the, uh, Javier Bardem. Yeah just Mm -hmm. unforgettable character there's so many good actors and great portrayals woody harrelson as like the the other hitman uh josh brolin is the protagonist tommy is the unlikable protagonist tommy lee jones is the the sheriff protagonist just like this gentle fading into retirement uh like gentleness uh being confronted with this evil force of anton sugar he walked in that movie so that uh jeff bridges could run in hell or high water there you go. Well, <laughs> High Water, such a good movie. Uh, Film Club, here we go. So that's what I'll say about No Country for Old Men. Such just a masterpiece in, in so many ways. Nightcrawler is unforgettable because there's just so many scenes in that where you're like, man, fuck this guy. I hate this guy. <laughs> and then you want to see more of him, which is always a sign you, of a good And you film. want him to get his comeuppance at the end, too. You want him, you want Lou Bloom to like just eat it yeah, right he doesn't i think the only comic relief in that movie is when he's yelling at renee russo's character about like uh bedroom etiquette <laughs> and how he and that's like it's so un- what about pleasant what about when he names his company video production news <laughs> <laughs> that's that's comedic relief yeah yeah it is i mean it just shows the guy is just this guy's out there so jake gillenhall is so good in this movie like i cannot snub for an Bloom. academy award Lou Bloom is a villain, and this movie also gave us like a kind of a breakout for Riz Ahmed, who is like yes. one of yes. the better actors working today. And like this, this movie was his kind of U.S. breakout after four, after Four Lions, right? Which is a, a British film. The his U.S. breakout was Nightcrawler, and man, he's just so good in this movie, playing kind of like this, like just such a sympathetic, like um, you, like he's the character that like, you're rooting you kinda, for that you are so upset yeah, about. You're yes. so upset. And then when, when, you know, Lou Bloom just betrays him, you know, it's just, it's like, this movie's got gut punches, man. It's, it's, um, yeah, this guy, I don't know. It's, it's really good. I really like Nightcrawler. No Country for Old Men. Um, it's really suspenseful, but I feel like it just, if it, they followed the book too much, man. Like you gotta, it makes it like so slow for me. Um, it's like, here's know, my counter. Fair. Uh, no Country for Old Men is about a uh, psychopath serial killer um, that is a remorseless character, and he is without a doubt evil. I hated Jake Gyllenhaal's character in this movie so much. That's My review is, the character is written to make him instantly unlikable, and he gets progressively worse from there. I know he's so. I bad. never. I, I cannot think of a single movie where I felt worse about the bad guy winning than Nightcrawler. There is nothing sympathetic about that character. There is nothing, not a single redeeming quality of that character. He is doesn't the, the doesn't worst. That, doesn't that film close with him like hiring new interns and starting started kind yep. of starting over? Yep, and it's disgusting. Oh, like the growing. Uh, 
growing Ooh, in the company. And that's a movie where you feel like you need a off. shower at the end. It is so bad. Uh, also, if you ever had a bad boss, if you've ever had a bad boss, there's he a says, little bit of loop bloom in those bad bosses. <laughs> I just remember he says, like, I would never have you do something that I wouldn't do myself. And you know, like, in your heart, like, oh, but this guy would do, like, anything. Yes. And he says that a few times in the movie. He says it multiple times. Oh man, yeah. yeah. I, I think I think I think the list is Arlington Road, Chinatown, The Vanishing, The Usual Suspects, and Nightcrawler, and that's a heck of a All list. Right, sounds good. All right. Well, if you want to tell us your favorite movie where the villain wins and why we're idiots for not including uh, Empire Strikes Back, <laughs> but you also have to tell us, us what on the movie Discord. we're taking out. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Man, everyone's just, everyone's just gonna say Arlington Road. For Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.